Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today, Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor is going to distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome back, fellow outcast, and thank you for joining us. It's all coming to a head this week as we break down the season finale. That's right, it is season one, episode 10, This Little Light. And please, stop poking my milky dead eyeball. I have a show to do. Stay tuned. You're tuning into the destination for TV superfan discussion, After Buzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin. It's it's almost as spooky as the show is. For real. I don't like it's the disembodied children voices singing. Yeah. That that really ensures that I won't sleep tonight. <laughs> or at any point in the near future. Welcome back. I am Lex Michael, all of our social media at the Lex Michael, and with me to talk about the gripping, harrowing season finale of Outcast is this wonderful panel, which includes I'm Lucretia Lyon, guys, so you can always find me at L-A-C-R-E-T-I-A-L-Y-O-N anywhere on the up. internet, since there is only one. Hey guys, I'm Joelle Monique, and you can find me everywhere at Joelle Monique. Hello everyone, I'm Abby Vega. You can find me on Twitter and on Instagram at underscore Abby Vega. It's like getting faster, it made me yeah. talk faster. I know, it was way jauntier than You're it was like, when we oh, started. Hold on. <laughs> All right, so now we're just gonna dance, I guess, until the music until the music stops. So while we're we're moseying along in our seats to this jaunty tune, guys, this is the finale of the first season of Outcast. I can't stop dancing. This is this is the finale of the first season of Outcast as a capper to this season long story that we've been watching and getting very very involved in as we go. How did this episode work for you guys as not just a capper to what's already happened, but as a little bit of a tease of what's to come? What are your initial thoughts? Uh, good. <laughs> good ending. What she said. Good she job, said. guys. I felt it, it, it felt like, yes, this is what should happen. Like, we wrapped up, we started new mysteries for next season. I think we checked all of the season finale boxes off. If that makes sense. Sure. Yeah, I think so. For yeah. sure. Yeah, I loved it. To me, there was almost a twinge of hope at the end, which, you know, it's like at least Kyle is what? with his daughter. Yeah, was there? Was and I'm like, okay, father-daughter outcast, but everyone is infected. You know, it's not just Rome. <laughs> He's starting to see. You can't yeah. leave, which is your hopeful yeah. thing. You have to stay and fight this forever. Yeah, what, what hope are you seeing here? <laughs> I'm like, hey, I'm trying to be bright here, you know? <laughs> well, right, no, okay, so yeah. Abby, you're, no, you're I mean, yeah. I, I didn't see the glimmer of hope mm-hmm. that Lucretia saw, but I, I get where she's coming yeah. from with the, you know, Kyle and Amber are together, and they're like a little duo, and I love the way he explained, like, we just have superpowers or whatever. Yeah, that so was that like was the sweetest scene. I'd rather sweet. be able to fly. And I'm like, I get it, girl. Yeah, I'm I would with, also yeah. rather be able to fly. Or go invisible. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, why don't we, uh, we could just jump right to the end and talk about, about those final moments because I agree, I really loved seeing Kyle get to be, really get to be a dad mm-hmm. to Amber mm-hmm. without the baggage of all of this horrible stuff that's happening to and around them 
for all of about 45 seconds. Didn't you get that feeling again? Yeah. You're like, oh no, they're happy. Oh yeah. I know. Oh, oh that no. was exactly, it's, and especially because, you know, we're building towards the final moments of our season. We know that there's going to be a, a season two. Hooray. And <laughs> so we know they're not just going to tie everything up neatly with a bow. So the moment that they're hanging out in in the in front of the car, next to the car by the gas station, and this really cute, like, you want some snacks? Can't have a road trip without snacks. I'm going... Oh, it's just something just egregiously terrible is going to happen. And it's not like I didn't expect anything horrible, like violent to befall either one of them. But I'm going, how are we going to bump the stakes up even further in these final moments? And of course, it it had never really come up before. But the idea that whatever's going on is not confined to this one little town and I'm wondering if that's something that at any point during the season any of you were actively thinking about because it really hadn't occurred to me until yeah. we get to that last moment and then I went, oh, right, the, the devil. The devil doesn't just stay in one place. He's well, like, barring a hell mouth, I was like, there's no, like, there didn't seem to be any direct link and they keep prefacing it like the world. They're mm-hmm. like, one of us comes into your world every day, I think is what uh, Sydney said this episode. I was kind of shocked at how prevalent it seems. You'd think it'd be like one creepy dude at the gas station and not the entire gas station. For sure. Yeah. And it's it's uh, everybody, it seems like. And it's it's ten, you know what I mean? It's like ten people at the gas station, but it's yeah. literally every person. It's like, And it's enough to where this moment where everybody stands stark still and stares at them is just, it's, it's just like, come on, just let them... Let them get somewhere. Let them like have one nice night at a motel somewhere where they can breathe, decompress. They can have some hot tea or something. But no, at least them, let them get their yeah. snacks. Yeah, we should <laughs> you know? get, Does do we know? Like the biggest cliffhanger is whether or not this poor little girl gets her blue icy. Oh, gosh. I know. Well, to me, it's just like being that they could just touch these people and they'll freak out and get out of their way. I think that they can even get that icy on the house, depending on how <laughs> the guy in the conv- behind the counter is. You know? well, literally, it's like it's like so. And this is something I wanted to talk to you guys about about how we got we got confirmation of certain things, but we didn't get a ton of new information, and I wanted to get your feelings about that, but one of the few things Sydney does make clear to Kyle in this finale is, we need you for what's coming, which is why it's like, I'm gonna lock you in this little room so that you are where we can find you when we need you. So if I'm Kyle, and I'm going, oh, you guys are everywhere, I'm going in there being like, hey, so I know this ice is like buck 68 but, but you I'm, need me i'm like i'm like the candle right yeah. you know you all flock to me and whatnot I'm like, <laughs> and like if you don't give me this icy who knows maybe when the merge happens you don't know where i am yeah. <laughs> i might go dark all of a sudden also a side note so you know how you were just saying that you know we need you in lockman does cindy know that amber then is like one of these things too i'd be surprised if he wasn't aware okay is that why, why he why wanted keep her? her yeah i was gonna say why keep her if he doesn't suspect and he senses everything else from like a mile off like in the house he was like oh there's one of me somewhere close by and then walks over to uh kyle's house so so yes Cindy knows everything is that what we're assuming well so we're gonna we're gonna jump back and we're gonna do a, a deep dive into all the specific plot points but the impression that i got was that they took amber specifically so that they'd be able to control and manipulate kyle that's yeah. it. They yeah. know if we have Amber, whether or not they know Amber has powers, they know if they have Amber, they won't even have to go look, and Kyle will inevitably come to them. True. 
okay. in some respect. Yeah. Yeah, because to me, uh, I actually had predicted that Amber would be like, Kyle, yay me. But at the same time... <laughs> we did. This was something um, that we talked about a yeah. little bit. Uh, but yeah, with the Amber being kidnapped by Sydney thing, I did think that they were just trying to control Kyle, that maybe even they don't know that she's like him until then, you know, because they didn't seem to treat her like they did Kyle. Yeah, yeah. that's true. For sure. So I do want to jump back to the top of the episode because we open pretty much exactly even moments before we left off in the previous episode. So I want to jump back, do a deep dive beat by beat. But before I do that, guys, uh, I feel compelled to tell you really quickly about our sponsor because our sponsor is Loot Crate. And I don't know if you guys are super familiar with Loot Crate, but Loot Crate is really, really cool. It's a subscription box service. And if you're watching Outcast, maybe you've, like I have, you've jumped over to the comics and like... The nerd world is your domain. That's like your the bread and butter, the the joie de vivre, if you will. That, that for some people, myself included, it's these like nerdy worlds that we love to to step into. Sometimes it makes it worth getting up out of bed in the yeah. morning. Loot crate will take all of these worlds. They'll bring a box full of these worlds right to your door every single month. With Loot Crate, you get collectibles, apparel, and more from your favorite pop culture franchises delivered right to your door every single month. We're talking a new t-shirt in every crate, figures, comics, stuff for your kitchen. It's a whole wide range of exclusive items you can't get anywhere else from fan favorite franchises. Say that ten times fast. Fan favorite <laughs> franchises <laughs> like Harry Potter, Marvel Comics, Fallout, Star Wars, and so much more. And you can get this for less than 20 bucks a month. Guys, that means I can afford it. You can get it for less than 20 bucks, all right? And it's a theme box, you know what I mean? So every month, we're dealing with a different nerdy theme. And it's August. We just saw the release of Suicide Squad. So the theme for August is the anti-hero. From bad guys doing good things for the wrong reason to good guys with questionable tactics, August is the perfect time to explore the anti-hero. Walk that hero-villain line with this 100% exclusive collection of items from DC Comics, Archer, Dark Horse, and Kill Bill that includes two great collectibles, a wearable, and of course, the monthly tee, and don't forget the pin. Now, this is a limited time offer. These theme boxes are only around for a certain amount of time, so you have to act before the 19th of this month. If you don't order it before the 19th, boop, gone, done. You can't get that box anymore. you got to jump onto the next one. I'm sure it'll be great, but this one sounds really, really cool. So, if you want the August box, you have until the 19th at 9 p.m. Pacific to subscribe and receive that month's crate, and yeah, when the cutoff happens, it's done. Too bad. Next one. Make sure to head over to www.lootcrate.com slash buzz and enter the code buzz, that's B-U-Z-Z, to save $3 off any new subscription. Loot Crate, come geek out with us. I totally did it, guys. I can't wait to get what I'm getting. Oh, these boxes are <laughs> yeah. super, they're actually genuinely cool. There's really never <laughs> yeah. been a time I've been disappointed every single time. I'm like, I have either new decorations or great party stuffer gifts. Which are great. Mm-hmm. It's almost nerd stuff. <laughs> All right, so let's jump back to the top because we open with the last, what were the last moments of the previous episode. We see Megan possessed. We see her playing around with, with poor dead Mark. I, I take my, my <laughs> notes are typically broken down by character, so it'll be a section for Kyle, it'll be a section for Reverend Anderson, it'll be a section for Megan, a section for Giles. Uh, my notes for Mark Holter this week read as follows is dead. And that's and that's yep. it. Poor Mark in the now in the comics, we're now uh pretty much caught up with the comics in the TV series. Mark has a different fate mm-hmm. in the comics. Really? Yeah. He's he's attacked. It plays out pretty similarly to what we see in the show with Megan becoming possessed and attacking him, but he ends up she she pushes him out of a window oh, yeah. and he ends up being hospitalized and he wakes up and he's alive. There's a chance he's never going to walk again. 
but Mark continues to be a part of the supporting cast, whereas on the show, Whoa, <laughs> he's gone. Or it doesn't. It doesn't seem like David Denman's contract is getting renewed for the second. The <laughs> no. second season. I mean, zombie. It's look, zombie dad. I'm gonna watch this. We're dealing with. <laughs> The supernatural here, and David Denman is a super charming and likable actor. <laughs> yeah. So I'd be like, to just like maybe next season, the weird goop monsters like can take a weird physical form, and like and they'll, put, they'll put your loved ones' faces on it to screw with you and stuff, and we'll get to see more more David Denman. But it, uh, for the time being, doesn't seem necessarily like that's going to be the case. No. We get. What for me was may- maybe the two most disturbing images of the the season, and one was the the skin, yeah, mm-hmm. that she's like peeling off. Oh, or something. Yeah. And first time, I was it takes a lot to make me uncomfortable, and I'm watching this going like, no, 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 no. I'm like grabbing my own hand, yeah, like don't pull my hand skin off. That's terrifying. <laughs> but then the eyeball thing that was yeah. gross. That made me cringe because I was like, you gotta commend like. Props and makeup for working together because the fingerprint on the dead eyeball, I was like, that's attention to detail. And it was fun. It was gross, but it was fun. Yeah, and it just goes back to, and then later they talk about how it's such a, you know, they're sort of like children just starting to get to know their surroundings. But to me, it was just, it was so odd, but at the same time, so fitting for her to be like poking him. Yeah. Like you do when you're a kid and you find like a dead animal, you just poke it. Yeah, and speaking of kids, we see Holly and Amber, and they're downstairs, and it's so, it makes it even more upsetting, because this horrific scene that they're about to stumble into, this this scene where Holly's mother has murdered her father and is, like, wandering <laughs> around in a weird demon daze, the, it's, it's interrupting this scene of the two of them just being kids, kids. Yeah. just go quietly sneaking downstairs to get seconds on some cereal, <laughs> and then they... They see this, and they react the way I imagine many of us would, which is scream and run away. That's so, probably what I would do as well. So they saw they saw Mark dead, right? That's it's, what it looked like. That's what I thought. Yeah. And okay, because I remember last week I said I was nervous the kids were going to walk in on it, on her like hunched over playing in the blood, and even though they didn't walk in at that moment, they, they did see it, which is awful. Yeah, and they run and they hide in the closet, which of course echoes some yeah. imagery that we've now seen a few times. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I guess this is the window. We don't see them make the phone call, but I guess we can assume this is the window where Amber picks up the phone, calls Kyle. So we get Kyle and Anderson breaking the door down to get into the house. And thankfully, they find the kids unharmed. Less thankfully, they find Mark about about as harmed as one can be. <laughs> um, and Megan is gone. Megan has just bailed. Mm. Which is, obviously, we track Megan's movements throughout the episode, and we get to where she's going pretty quickly. That moment where they, they see the scene at the house, and Megan's gone, and the, the window's been smashed, yes. and like, it's empty, crazy, ominous, and super, super disturbing. And Megan's just, like, off, she's just off wandering the town. Yeah. And we get, so we get some interesting moments with her, because this is the most time, as far as I remember, this is the most time we've spent with somebody immediately after yeah. Becoming possessed. So we're watching this this new, effectively a newborn creature try and navigate the world in Megan's body. And like one of the things that I thought was nuts, really well uh, conceived and executed scene where she wanders onto that football field. Yes. Mm-hmm. And the sprinklers go off. Yes, I love that. Bless Robert Kirkman for always having space for comedy in these incredibly dark worlds that <laughs> yes. he creates. Because that scene made me laugh out loud. And I was like, thank God it was getting tense in here. As soon as that water turns on, she has just the completely normal reaction of just like, what's hitting me and why? Yeah. And then just to run like like slapstick style into the springboard. <laughs> yeah. It's just great. 
Yeah, it yeah. was so Sam Raimi, but I loved it. <laughs> it was. Um, but this was also the first time that I felt, and now that I'm reading the comics, I'm getting a, a little confused in places about when they're revealing which pieces of information and which version of the story. But is this the first time that we've gotten a clear indication that they're not just holy water, they're like very, very, very disturbed by water? Or was this something that we seeded in earlier? I'm actually struggling to remember now. I think this is the first time in the show that we're seeing this kind of reaction to water. Because, well, yeah, well, didn't she kind of have that reaction when she was initially in the shower? I think at yeah. the time, yeah. we, we probably, I I think when I first saw the shower scene, I thought it was her just screaming just because it was, like, entering her. Yeah. But now I'm looking back thinking that it was because the water. Yeah, and Robert Kirkman actually explained this. If you watch the little after bits uh, on Cinemax, sometimes they'll have, like, him or somebody come in and talk about scenes. And he talks about that scene in particular and how the water is. And it's really more about, you know, it's this new, you're new, and this is a new sensation. You're like, what the hell is this? Sort of freaking out. Uh, rather than anything in particular, you know, yeah. that's causing them, you know, harm. It's just a matter of, you know, if you've never felt water for the first time, you're going to be like, what the hell is yeah. this? Okay, so if it's something that Kirkman yeah. is talking about in interviews related mm. specifically to the show, then I feel totally okay yeah. to start to start walking in that, that direction. Yeah. Because in the comics, by this point in the comics, they've already had a number of conversations specifically about that, about how their senses, when they're first dropped into these bodies, are crazy, crazy, crazy heightened. And we're seeing that. I mean, we're seeing her reaction to the water. We're seeing her reaction to the girls screaming. I mean, obviously, look, little children screaming at very high pitches is probably going to be irritating <laughs> to just about anybody. Oh, yeah, I was like, it bothers me. But a very specific, visceral reaction to the loud noise. And this is also the same episode where we finally get the conversation between Kyle and Reverend Anderson, where Kyle goes, I'm starting to put together that the amount of time that these mm-hmm, creatures mm-hmm. inhabit their hosts impacts greatly the state that they're in as they're driving and also the state that we leave them in when we pull them out. These are things that they've been seeding in the comics well in advance of this point in the story, but now we're finally getting to some of that stuff, which is interesting to watch play out. Yeah, and we all had kind of suspected the amount of time had something to do with it, but what I found was interesting in that revelation of their conversation was that it was revealed that Blake had been infected for years, for sure, and that that was something that they really hadn't indicated too much of the exact timeline. We were led to believe that maybe it had happened pretty quickly, but, you know, so that was interesting to me to find out that and that showed that it was outside of this world because that didn't happen in Rome. So, yeah, that was sort of like inching out into more that maybe it's been going on outside of Rome for much longer. Sure. Mm. Yeah, and so Kyle and Anderson, now, without a clear heading, they know they have to find Megan, they know they have to stop what's going on, but they also now have to deal with, well, Mark is dead, what do we do? (laughs) And so they go to Giles, and they basically lay it out. They lay out what happened. And Giles, even even knowing as Giles does that something's not right, and like I think he has no problem necessarily believing what he's being told. But it's a question of how am I going to take this and tell other people? Like what you're asking me, what you're asking me to do is literally you're asking me to cover up a homicide. And Anderson makes the point that well, you're the chief of police. The law is basically going to view this however you tell the law to view this. I thought that was a really interesting moral moral dilemma, moral quandary that they're directly putting Giles in because even though it's ultimately for the right reasons, they are effectively asking him to thoroughly compromise his professional integrity. This is a classic early yeah. Rick situation <laughs> where, you know, Rick in Walking Dead is like, am I still a cop if there's no world to protect? 
and he has to make all these very difficult decisions morally. And I feel like poor Giles is now in that same situation of like, I believe them when they say it technically wasn't her, and yet it was her. But, you know, I think he's probably at this point had enough of putting good people away and having his friends turn their backs on him. I'm glad he made the decision he made. I'm glad he went in that direction to kind of cover it up. I think it's going to help us get to the bottom of the mystery faster than, like, locking her in prison. Yeah, that's true. Oh, for sure. Well, so then here's my next question. Based on the way that next scene is played with Giles, where we see Giles at the house and he makes that phone call he makes about how we got to come clean this up. Do you guys think there's any chance this is the first time he's done something like that? No. Yeah, I mean, being that he was friends with Ogden, yeah. he's pretty mm-hmm. much the henchman uh, to his wife Kat's um, <laughs> helping of these uh, creatures, who would say. It, he's probably done this quite a few times. Well, so, you can travel all the way back to what, episode two, when yeah. Ogden and Giles had that, conver- that confrontation, and they talk about their kind of seated past and how they've had these different interactions, and I know secrets and things, and yeah. it definitely wouldn't surprise me if they were had been in cahoots and done some sly things on the side before. Oh, yeah. We do, especially the conversation, whether it was last episode or it's, I think ultimately when the two of them are saying goodbye to each other and a couple of conversations that Giles and Ogden have, have had, it definitely seems like their relationship has been one of having each other's backs and keeping each other's secrets, more importantly. And that could just be me reading into it. The scene seemed to be designed for us to read exactly that into it. But at the same time, what kind of throws me off a little is the way that Giles was so genuinely confused at what Ogden was doing when he, like, burnt that trailer. You know what I mean? Well, I don't think Giles has any knowledge of what Ogden and his wife have been doing. But before that, because he called them oh. his oldest friend. And so I think before so, that, like, they were, like, back. Yeah, oh, okay. yeah, yeah. Back when they were young and just starting out in their positions. Okay. And kind of full Gotcha. Power. That makes more sense. Yeah, I feel, and the, the clarity that Giles does end up getting, whatever clarity he's able to get from <laughs> it, comes from that conversation that we do see where Ogden finally tells him about what's going on with his wife and what they've been doing in the camper. And, you know, the same conversation where he says, well, I want to be with this weird, possessed version of my wife. It's awesome. And I feel like that's the first time where Giles has even a, a passing relation with something resembling clarity where <laughs> where Ogden is concerned. And even, like, you watch you watch Reggie E. Kathy's performance, especially in the back half of this season, where he's being more and more directly faced with stuff that he he's forced to accept but has no rational clue how to deal with. Just watching that dude's facial expressions as people give him new information is wonderful. <laughs> so... Kyle and Anderson, after having this conversation with Giles, they leave Holly and Amber with Giles' wife, which of course turns out to be a terrible idea. More on, more <laughs> yeah. on that, more on that in a minute. But then they they take Giles' cars. What I gather, they take Giles' car. Or they just take the police scanner yeah. out of Giles' yeah. car, um, and they go they go trolling for Megan. That was actually a really smart idea. They're, you know, it's not just that they could come to Giles because he knows what's going on, but they're like, oh, we can get a police scanner and then we'll see if they report like some meth out woman going crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the scanner ends up being mm. largely useless, mm. partially partially <laughs> because they can't understand it at all, <laughs> and partially because the one person they do find, thanks to that scanner, turns out to be not Megan, but in fact. Like a a crazy, she's got some problems. Yeah, Mm -hmm. a lady at a not so great point in her life. Yes, but then it's Anderson who goes. 
a little bit out of nowhere, but I'll go, you know what? Maybe he's just been quietly thinking about this for a while. And like, he goes, he has that he has that idea about how, you know, the they're like children and they're looking for, if not a parent necessarily, then a protector. But he's poked yeah. and prodded into that. And what I really liked about that moment was it's finally Kyle being like, look, dude, you are not even looking at these people. You're so wrapped up in what you think should be happening that you don't even look at them. Like, give me some information. You are useful. Like, you, you have knowledge. Like, you can use it. And I was so proud. I was like, finally, Reverend can, like, see where his place in this partnership is. And I think it also helped, I think, for the, the Reverend to hear from Kyle, like, I need you. Because he Absolutely. always, we've always said how he was, like, jealous of Kyle because Kyle had all this... Power, so I think him hearing that probably gave him a little, a little boost. Yeah, I love this Kyle reassuring Reverend Anderson because actually most of the season is about him, uh, you know, swallowing his pride and learning that he really hasn't done all this good. And then this, you know, in the finale, we kind of wrap up. Kyle's like, "No, I do need you. This is the part where you're useful. This mm-hmm. is what you bring to the table." And he just needed to hear that. Yeah, <laughs> he does turn right. He writes that ship yeah. so fast. He's like. I am useful. <laughs> so he has like all these bright ideas, and this is Reverend Anderson. I've been waiting to see. I feel mm-hmm. good about it. It's interesting to watch their dynamic over the course of the season because it starts with one very specific balance of power, and you see their working relationship one way as they try and exercise these these entities from these people, and you watch over the course of the season how the power dynamic completely shifts into a total reversal, and then they finally meet up again at the end and have uh, something similar to their earlier working dynamic except that both of them are in completely new personal spots yeah. and I thought that was really deftly handled so they have this conversation and it, Kyle goes makes the connection like he's always been a, a protective figure even going back to childhood was always a protective figure for Megan and so it does stand to reason that Megan would go looking for Kyle which she did yeah. and they get to Kyle's house Unfortunately, just too late, because <laughs> Sydney has already found Megan there and has sent her off. Meanwhile, Aaron, the, the King Joffrey of Rome, <laughs> the worst, has shown up at Miss G- Giles' apartment, house, house, their houses, uh, her place of lodging, <laughs> and has forced his way in and abducted Amber. Before we even get there, by the way, let's, let's, let's track this back, so... How did Aaron know the children were there? Well, someone, one of Sydney's people, told him. How did Sydney's people know that the children were there? Because Mrs. Giles was talking to Kat about it on the phone. Which says Giles is not talking to his wife. He's clearly keeping her in the dark. He's like, oh no, don't worry about it. She's like, I'm here to help. And he's like, no, no. You don't need to know it. I would take care of this myself. Like, if your best friend, if your wife's best friend is now an evil demonic thing, yeah. I feel like that's the first thing. Be like, okay, so she what we don't know. do is share secrets with her anymore. She's psycho. Uh, and I feel bad because it definitely kind of ruined her night. Also, yeah. I like, honestly, I don't know what I was thinking. I feel like an idiot. I thought that Aaron maybe honestly was telling her, I need help. <laughs> You can't trust that ginger kid. (laughs) I was, I fell for it. I fell for it. I was like, what? And then when he, for about half a second, I started to get worried because it was going on just long enough that I started to have this. I'm like, really? Are they? Because that would feel like a wildly unmotivated character pivot. And I'm like, well, okay. I mean, I I would, I would uh, accept it and move on because the show's been doing a great job in every other respect. But I was like, yeah. And then he mm-hmm. forced his way in, and I was like, oh, it's okay, because he's evil and is going to yeah. hurt people. It's like, fine. It sucks. See, yeah. Yeah. And I know, and he totally Because I thought it, because he, 
they showed that right the scene before where he kind of sees some of the stuff going on and I thought <laughs> I don't know why I would think that he also saw a man carving into another man yeah. and thought that was cool so I should have known but I didn't <laughs> yeah he sees him take this woman out of the house and he's like alright he's got something going now what do I get to do and yeah. then, oh here comes Cat well we need you to take this little girl alright yeah. he's just so so excited to be into the evildoers like over here can so you imagine bad. like the oh, scene yeah. we didn't see yeah. where he gets this assignment can you imagine how pumped that kid must be and like i how i would love to have seen the scene him taking amber yeah how that played out i but yes but i feel like it was smart not to because then we would have had to watch this little kid overpower a grown woman and then what like throw throw amber over his shoulder (laughs) and walk out like it, there are ways to do it, especially if, you, if he has a weapon on him or something. Yeah. You, you could just use the threat of violence to get that accomplished. I feel like it'd be really awkward to stage, mm-hmm. just, yeah. just no, practically. Yeah. See, in the scene I miss is the one of the other afflicted, possessed, the other yeah. possessed woman who, like, clawed her eyes out. Yeah. That we yeah. seen there, I'm like, where was that scene? <laughs> yeah, we kind of wanted to see that. So, I was there yeah. for it. <laughs> so, is that in the comics? No, it happened oh. in the mm-hmm. thing, uh... Uh, Ogden's wife is taking care of her and he's like patting up the eyes but I just wanted to like I don't know I don't think that's a scene in the comic I I don't recall it if it is but I just it's so such a visual kind of graphic that they show of her and she's somewhat important I just like violence and all that yeah. <laughs> and I would have been happy to watch this woman claw her eyes out. I agree. You know, we need more violence on this show. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's that's what this show is. Yeah. Um, but we do we do to to what you're saying, we finally get some clarification on what this abandoned department store is supposed to be, and it's essentially a bigger version of what they were doing out in the woods. It's yes. the Macy's oh. tra- of the trailers. Yes! Yeah. They upgraded a little. Yes, they're now, they're and, and apparently because it's everywhere, they can set up franchises. Very exciting. <laughs> very, very exciting business prospects for Sydney in the future. This was the whole plan, by the way, <laughs> is like one day to just like build it, build it up from nothing, take the company public. He's just going to retire somewhere. But we get a sense that it is. It's a bigger version of what they were doing out in the woods, and we see little bits of, of cat you know, nursing some of these people that are in transition. And we don't we don't get exactly why, say, this woman claws her eyes out, but I think we can infer based on what we learn about how heightened their senses are based on the other available clues. Mm-hmm. It's entirely possible that maybe it's like the light was too much and she clawed her own eyes out because she couldn't take it, something like that. Yeah, that's what I would think, especially since the light is what seems to bother them the most. I mean, even as the further they get into the bodies. So... So, Kyle and Anderson determined that, okay, we know where Amber is. There's a note left at Kyle's house. My guess is the note says, we've got your daughter, we've got your sister. Sydney probably drew that little mm. face where like they're pulling their eye down and sticking their tongue out. <laughs> one of those, like, mm. It's um, a sad crying <laughs> emoji. <laughs> and so obviously they've got to go after them. And Kyle says, you know, this is if you really believe in this, you know, if you really believe you're fighting the devil, you have to do everything that you can to stop him. You should stay here and do nothing for some reason. How did you? I'm going to ask you guys. How did you guys read that? Because it struck me a little oddly that Kyle wouldn't want to bring in reinforcements for something like that. 
I feel like Kyle is just like, nope, gotta save my daughter mode. He, you know, he's he's Liam Neeson right now. He's like, give me back my daughter. Yeah, I don't think he liked being doubted. Anderson was like, yeah. slow down and take a moment. He's like, yeah. how dare you? I have already lost my wife and my mother. I'm not losing another, and my sister yeah. now. Like, I'm not losing another woman to this. Like, either you're with me right now or I'm out of here. That's kind of how I interpreted the scene. I do think it was silly not to bring back up. And it worked out in the end, but... You think you'd want to go there fully enforced? My my only thought about that is maybe because we didn't read the note. Maybe something in the note said come stipulated along. you have we have your daughter. You have to come along, which is why he ends up he meets Sydney on the road. Like yeah, he does. that's what I kind of just like assumed when he went alone that there was something in there that he had to. Yeah, it totally said, don't bring pentagram chest. <laughs> <laughs> Leave him alone. Old, yeah. old Penty. Yeah. That's what we call him now. Old, old Penty. Penty. Oh, no. uh, that, that is my, my thought. That's what makes the most sense to me, especially given the way the next couple of scenes with Kyle and Sydney play out. Plus, if Kyle has been paying any attention to Reverend Anderson's behavior... He knows that he probably doesn't have to be told to do something drastic and extreme. I feel like Kyle trusted Anderson. Even if Kyle wasn't conscious of it, Kyle could trust Anderson not to do nothing. Maybe yeah. Anderson was a plan, part of the plan all along, and he went there so Sydney would think he was alone. Yeah, because maybe that's it. Because Anderson immediately goes to follow Cat, yeah. uh, you know, and see, you know, what everybody else is doing. Cat, Ogden, Sydney, see who's moving because he knows that they've got something to do with it. Yeah. Also from the booth, hashtag Old Penty. Yeah. <laughs> yes, please. Yes. But that was that was my biggest thought. And so while Kyle gets a bag thrown over his head, gets put into Sydney's three body trunk. Yeah. And Whoa. that was that really was a thing at one point. By the way, the writing there it was oh, that's how so I my superb. Trunk. That was the most terrified I've been in this entire series, was that scene. And then directly afterwards, when they're locked up and he's like, need me for what? And he's banging on the door and Amber's terrified. Like, those two moments were so creepy. And Sydney's monologuing just keeps getting better and better and, like, creepier and creepier. He's practicing. It's really exciting. Yeah, no, yeah, definitely. He's got all the spare time while he's shaving in the mirror. Yeah, that's all like, I figured. It's like three body trunk. That's good. <laughs> and he, write, he writes it down. You know what I mean? And like you've got him like he's eating eggs or something. He's just like learning his lines. And he, like quietly, no dialogue. You know what he's doing? And then he just he gets to something he wrote and he goes. <laughs> and then he just keeps reading. So Sydney is a stand-up comedian because yes. I do all those things. Guys. Yes. <laughs> and he's just he's just working on his material, and yeah. then like once a year he gets like an evil hour together, and he goes and he does it, <laughs> and then he like goes home and he writes a new evil hour for yeah. the next year. Was the bonfire his big debut? <laughs> he was like really prepared. He's like, this is my moment to shine. <laughs> So, oh God. Yeah, I want to see that now. I really, I really want to see a last comic standing type show, but it's all people who are possessed with these like outcast demons. Yeah, the evil speeches. And I watch it, especially like Sydney can be the host and MC, and then everyone else is like a mix of people who like some of them have had the demons in there for like a year. Some yes. one, one of them like the new like the hot edgy up and comer has, has been possessed for about three hours, and they're just up there like. And they're all like, this is, this is avant-garde, this is amazing. <laughs> so, okay, so, back back in the world of the show that we did watch, uh, Kyle has, is going along with this in the interest of, okay, at least I'm, I'm locked in a little room, but I'm locked in a little room with my daughter, so... It's not that bad. Could be worse. Right? Yeah. There are worse yeah. things. And finally, 
Kyle says, you know, what's basically demands answers before he even has to really get all that demanding, frankly. Sydney's like, yeah, well, told you I'd tell you some stuff. So now you're in this room. Mm-hmm. Something like Bond villain it up, and I'm just going to tell you some stuff right now. And it's stuff like, you know, we can't stay where we're from. So we come into your world all the time because we have to. Where are you from? Same place you're from. That's why we need you. Where am I from? What are we talking about? (laughs) There's a lot of information I'm missing. Yeah, and I felt like, did it feel like to anyone else that Sydney was trying to persuade Kyle into being like, like, you're one of us. Yeah, I totally felt like he was going, one of us, one of us. And so he says, you know, you're from the same place we are, so we we need you for what's coming. And that's why I'm going to keep you in this little room. And you're just gonna you're just gonna hang out here, and like I'll slip you some some food uh, every so often. You're just gonna hang here till we need you. Meanwhile, Anderson, never one to mm. not do something belligerent and crazy <laughs> with the tire iron, no less. I, yes. By the way, I loved that moment where he pulls up outside and he's like, "All right, am I gonna be am I gonna be holy man with my exorcism kit, or am I just gonna go crazy belligerent vigilante with the tire iron?" And so then, right. so he's got Good the tire in his hand. I back him on that choice. Yes. Yeah, it's like red pill, blue pill. I don't know. <laughs> so he goes in, and this I really, actually really, really dug the way this was conceived, the structure of this from a storytelling perspective. Because we've got Kyle on the inside, we've got Anderson on the outside, and they are effectively, without, I think, immediately knowing that they're doing so, working together as a team to bring this enterprise down. And I liked it. You've got one force working from the outside in, one working from the inside out. Kyle is able to break out of this room, and I'm going like, well, Sydney, then maybe put him in a better room. Maybe put him in a... Like, because Kyle has the superpower, but he's not the Hulk. He's not Captain America, which means a normal dude with some adrenaline going could literally punch his way out of this room. Why Why was he in that room to begin with? Poor decision, Sydney. Uh, nah, not very good. He's like, he's crazy smart, but he's he's new to our world and he doesn't really know, like, walls. He doesn't maybe know Maybe this was, walls. like, the strongest wall they had. Yeah. Like he was like, it may not hold, but it's the strongest we've got. He's surrounded. We're probably gonna be okay. Also, did you did you read it the way I did? I thought it was interesting. They basically throw Kyle and Amber into another closet. Yeah, yeah. It's just like stop. That's mean. That's so mean. Why are you gonna rub it in? So as Kyle is trying to break out of this room, you've got Anderson just going to town with his tire iron. It was. Ooh. And uncomfortably satisfying to yeah. watch him just like swinging it on in. Totally satisfying. He's swinging it on his wife. Yeah. Kyle gets out. Crazy chick with no eyes is like grabbing on Kyle, trying to like drain his his <laughs> juice or whatever. His trying to drain his energy. His yeah. dark flubber, as I believe <laughs> we call it. And you know Anderson has to get it off of him. And then they, you know, Kyle uses his powers, gets the the demon out. And then hey, there's Megan. Pop here she is. And this was cool. This yeah, is really this is cool. awesome. Mm-hmm. This was cool. So Megan attacks. Megan doesn't really seem to be in there. She's calling mm-hmm. Kyle outcast, and and Kyle's trying to reach his sister. Ain't working. Megan turns on them, and then all of a sudden, look, it's Amber. Amber jumps on Megan. Get and out it's like, my daddy. That was so that sweet. Was so sweet. It's like they're not going to hurt the little girl, are they? They hurt children on this show. What's going to happen? They started by hurting yeah, a child. Punching a child in the face was like first thing out of the door. Right when she jumped out, yeah. I knew that she was going to have that and power. Had, and not only. Does she have this power? It looked to me like she's got 
an even greater command of yes. it than her oh, yeah. dad yeah. does. Yeah. Yes. She just gets a good grip on Megan's face Be- and yeah. basically just slowly rides mm-hmm. Megan as she collapses back down to the ground. Megan goes slack and just kind of rigid at the same time yeah. and just and watching it just pour out like just very quickly. But then I of course had a flashback to when this first happened with Allison and she was still saying that her mom would be better off in a coma like her grandmother. So you wonder how much she's actually able to do. Is it kind of dispelling them, but not totally? I don't know. I'm not 100% convinced that once you're affected, you're not completely changed forever. Well, yeah, especially being what you do when you're infected. And I think that that's really, uh, the for the most part, what these people seem to struggle with. Like, mm-hmm. Allison struggled with hurting her daughter. Megan, I mean, being that it's her husband and not her daughter so much, it might not hurt as bad, but still. I mean, and plus, this is a of your life. Well, yeah. that's the thing. I think that's what, yeah. it's, it's different because, yeah, uh, oh my gosh, what's her name? Allison. Oh, that one. Allison. Like, she she hurt her daughter, but she didn't kill her. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, Megan straight up... Killed her husband. Killed her husband. But I think that's right, too, is that after... It's what you do, kind of, while you're infected that can end up hurting you after. Because, obviously, you're not going to be the same knowing the stuff you did. Yeah, and I think that that's really more what it's about than anything. And, yeah, with Megan, this is not the first time something horrible has happened to her. With Allison, we don't know her history, but Megan has come out of, like, you know, the Donnie situation on the other side. So as horrible as this is, like, you know, she's got Kyle, she's got her daughter, so she has hope. (laughs) Also, I thought that they weren't going to tell her. Well, they tell her, but obviously they're not going to say that you, you did it, but it's like that whole conversation... And we don't get we don't get the entire conversation, but that whole that little scene where she she's awake, she's aware, and she asks, "Where's, Where's Mark?" Mark? I'm like, oh man, that's just devastating. And you'd think Kyle would learn. Like you can't lie to the ladies that have been affected. Like it didn't oh, yeah. work well for your wife. It's probably not going to work well for Megan. And it sucks that it's painful, but. His protecting people often gets in the way of them healing, I feel like. Yeah. It's it's yeah. tough because it's also, I don't think it's something that, like, psychiatric medicine is quite equipped to deal with yet. You know what I mean? <laughs> right, right. So, like, I, it's tough because on the one hand, he tells Megan, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't you. And he's telling everybody it wasn't her. And that's true. Based on the yeah. rules established by this world, it's true. It wasn't her. But as we saw with Allison... She still has those memories. She still, whether or not she was driving, she was still experiencing it from the point of view of the person enacting the violence. So it's not quite as cut and dry for that person as you did or did not do it. Yeah. You know, God. Yeah. And I'm really nervous about uh, Holly. She, because she saw it. You know what I mean? Like, she yeah. saw her dad. There was and that, she saw her mom, like, yeah, there. I don't know. There was that moment where they open the closet at the beginning of the episode, and they find the girls unharmed. And, of course, Kyle's first instinct is going to be protective of his own daughter, embraces Amber. And the shot holds just long enough for you to look past them mm-hmm. and see Holly in the closet yeah. alone. And it's like, for God's sake, somebody hug this kid! Yeah. She has had a whole like, events, mm-hmm. like a life-changing moment, which, Kyle, you should know better than anyone. Yes. Someone hold her hand. Like, even when they're, like, loading up the car, and Amber's the one crying, and I'm like, Holly needs looking after her. Yeah. 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 She so I'm kind of nervous dad, about yeah. how that hurt Megan and Holly's relationship would be after this because even though she didn't hurt Holly you know the way that like Allison hurt Amber it's 
pretty traumatizing. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely so, think it was smart not to start touching on any yeah. of that yet, since we know there's going to be a second mm-hmm. season. I feel like to deal with something like that effectively takes, you got to time and you got to oh, let yeah. it breathe mm-hmm. and you can't rush character details like that. For sure. um, so I'm glad that they didn't. So the next morning, we get what we get with the very last scene with uh, Kyle and Amber at the gas station, but we also get a couple of other pieces of business. Actually, before we get to the next morning. <laughs> yeah. Before we get to the next yeah. morning. That, that um, was just thinking. Uh, the, uh, yeah. the, uh, so Anderson, just not not great at thinking. Yeah. And I look, I get it, dude. I get it. You're all fired up from go raiding the devil's compound and coming away victorious. And I get you want to put a stop to this. And I get you think that the way to do that is by burning the devil's house down with the devil inside it. However, th- in a world where there's not only one person... Like, period? Don't you want to make sure that the person you see inside is the person that you intend to set on fire if you're going to set someone on fire? Reverend's Maybe like, you give him an yeah. inch, he takes a mile. You right, know, no, it's like, absolutely. you give him one, like, I need you, and he's like, he takes it too far. He's like, like I real got it. I'm going to murder people now. And even, like, it, pe- the townspeople don't believe you. Like, your community doesn't believe that that guy is a the devil. They think this is a kindly guy who's come back to bury his friend. If there's any trace that you burned this down and seeing as you're not, I mean, oh, goodness. Uh, not Giles, but uh, uh, starts with an O. Ogden. Ogden, thank you. Uh, Ogden's a fire chief. If he's able to connect you to this and get you out of the way of things, they're going to turn on you so fast. Mm-hmm. And you're, you have, other than Kyle, one ally left, and you kind of killed her kid. So. I wonder if he got a little too cocky thinking whatever he does because he's friends with Giles is, you know, it'll get swept under the mat. But even if Giles wants to cover it all up, past a certain point, there's some stuff that you can't just disappear no matter how hard you're trying. So, yeah, the show without, we don't see a body, it's never made explicit, but it seems very much like the show is telling us that Anderson killed little Joffrey boy. (laughs) And on the one hand, well, like, Yay! good job. On the one hand, look. <laughs> but on the other hand, like he killed a child. Yes, like he's directly responsible for the death of a child, and he has this moment in a in a way like a <laughs> confluence of circumstance that only fictional storytelling can provide <laughs> us. He is talking to Patricia. Sidebar: Did anyone else think that when he stamps out the uh, the cigarette and you see Patricia step into frame, that was a weirdly specific shot of her boots and lower legs, as if I was supposed to be getting specific information from that, and I wasn't sure what it was. Yeah, I thought it yeah, was it definitely was a new character or the chief at first, so I was like, boo, oh, oh, okay, hey, are you guys back on speaking terms? That was fast. Sure. But then he goes, all right, so, like, guy, she was, <laughs> she was, she and her son were both physically abused by the man of the house for God knows how long. Mm-hmm. You raise a hand to her son, you better have a, a more effective apology <laughs> ready to go than, oh, sorry what happened. I was a jerk. Yeah. Like, dude, dude, dude. Really? But Patricia was like, eh, that's all right. It's it not happens. the worst thing I've seen. I know my son is kind of a jerk, too, so. And then it's like, all right, I, maybe you guys deserve each other. Yikes. Yeah. But then she goes, I've got to go talk to the chief. Aaron didn't come home. And then he starts going, and then he sees Sydney drive by yeah, and he goes like, oh, oh, oh no 
oh no, I done I done something bad. I, I done so, it now. so expected Sydney to have hydraulics by then and be like, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, <laughs> like <laughs> some cool. <laughs> yeah. I would have done that slow window turned down. Yep. I love it. And I love like he just turns, turns his head as he drives by perfectly, just turns his head and just blows a kiss at Anderson. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. So there was there was that. We don't see Giles again. Presumably, he had a long night of cleaning up a homicide scene. Yeah, so explaining yeah, to do to his wife, perhaps. Yeah, what's yeah. what's clearly he knows what's up. Yeah, right? he's and probably like, got to tell her. Yeah, let's not call Cat anymore and let her know anything because yeah. she's kind of a demon or you know something. Right. So yeah. we now we see Kyle and Amber trying to go make a new start. But hey, yikes! As we alluded to up top, this seems to be everywhere now. Yes. Anderson has got a world of horrors ahead of him. <laughs> And Giles probably needs to fix his marriage now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. And our big, our big bad Sydney is still just mm-hmm. rolling around town, well, Sydneying everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yes, he's on he top is. of a mountain with his new Macy's project coming up. He's gonna be he's sitting pretty. And now we know that at the very least, the surrounding communities are full of outcasts. So we're in for a uh, hectic season two. Mm-hmm. I'm yes. very excited. <laughs> I love how Kyle's like, oh, God, i got to save the world now. Damn it. <laughs> and it's just, what a wonderful note to end on as well, that every them looking at everybody else, everybody else looking at them, Amber holding Kyle's hand, and just that slow, slow mm-hmm. zoom into Amber. She goes, Daddy? And then ends credits. Oh. And I was like, oh, my God, I know, right? <laughs> like, Dad, I, I want to hold his hand. Where are <laughs> oh, Dad, here. what do we do now? It's crazy out here. So that's... That's, That's the it. finale. Mm-hmm. That's Outcast. the first season of Outcast. So before we wrap up, two things I want to do. One, this, in my opinion, crazy cool first season. Yeah. I wanted to yeah. get your guys' thoughts on the season as a whole before we hit some predictions for season two and wrap it up. Uh, yeah, season as a whole. Great, wonderful, uh, really terribly awesome violence, which I can always get behind. I love that Robert Kirkman always makes me question humanity and the people standing next to me. It's pretty cool. And uh, if you haven't checked it out, somebody said they've only seen the first episode. Go back and watch it now. We're telling you how great it is. You know how it ends, but that's not... The journey is what's important, and it's exquisite. It's really good. I like it. Yeah, this is like the first show I've ever kind of watched of this type, and I, I really enjoyed it, and I liked how there was... This, like the supernatural evil stuff, but then also like human evil. I like how they balanced that out. And with like the violence, I thought they did a good job at making sure it wasn't extremely violent every episode. You know what I mean? There was like a happy medium, and I thought they they kind of like rationed it out well per episode. Absolutely. Yeah, to me, this show, all 10 episodes have just been perfect. And I was just so surprised just to really be, you know, on the edge of my seat for every episode. And it was just. It's one of those things where you're like, wow, that all of it was good. I don't really have any complaints. And yeah, like the only thing that, you know, people are still wondering about is why did Donnie get to live? Yeah. Well, we, <laughs> yeah. We don't know. Yeah. For now. Also just the way it was filmed. It was filmed like a movie and I loved that. It oh, was yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Amazing. I got I've I've made comments more than once on this show about how much the technical filmmaking aspects of this show make me so happy because they are so strong. I love that it's a show that is obviously very much about something as big and otherworldly and alien to us as demonic possession, but it is just as much about real-world violence and the consequences of real-world violence in various forms. And I thought they were able to find a way to tell both stories as one story crazy, crazy effectively 
And on top of that, in a world where most horror shows, even some of the ones that I enjoy, mm -hmm. most of the modern crop of horror TV shows seem content to riff on popular iconography from other horror stories, this felt very much like a fresh, organic story. It felt like a story, more than a collection of horror iconography mm. that we could throw at somebody and have them go, hey, this is fun. Yeah. This this was, this was, this is the horror show that I had no clue that I wanted, and I'm so glad that we now have yeah. it. Yeah, absolutely. So, before we wrap, mm. given, given where we left things, what do you guys think is going to happen next season? Like, where do you think we pick things Your up? After yeah. Buzz TV There's predictions. One, I don't even really know, like, where to begin. So I'm just going to say, I don't know who Ogden thinks he is. But, mm -hmm. And, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not going to be smooth sailing for him. And then I also don't even someone comment on Donnie. I think he's mm -hmm. for sure going to come into play somehow. I don't know how. But I don't think we've seen the last of him. I have a very crazy prediction, and I'll go quickly. I think Reverend Anderson is possessed. When he talks about finding God, he uses almost the exact same words as the church groundskeeper. He says he felt warm, and it took over, and he felt very connected. I cool. read the first arc of the comics just recently, and I'm like, okay, that sounds a whole lot like possession. I'm not completely convinced it's the same kind of possession, and I think that's maybe why they're afraid of him. I don't think we fully know Reverend Anderson's power yet. I'm excited to get into season two and find out. Yeah, that would be really interesting to see that Reverend Anderson has some sort of power as well. And like you say, that he's possessed by something, but obviously not the same thing. And that would be a really cool thing to also bring his pride back. <laughs> yes, definitely. And, and um, Childhood's Hour has a really good prediction that maybe they need Kyle for the merge because he's the original opener of the gate. That's oh, actually yeah, pretty I'll cool. Take it. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. I like the idea that we're going to see the scope expand slightly as we mm -hmm. get into the next season. My prediction. End of the first episode of season two, Kyle and Amber join the Avengers. And the day after it airs, Marvel Entertainment begins legal proceedings. And we get to watch two circuses unfold in real time before our eyes. Guys, I, I really love this season. I'm really excited for next season. Check out the comics. If you haven't, they're very, very cool. And it's not, it's not just a one-to-one -one adaptation. You're getting the same basic story, but told differently. It's worth checking out. That's going to be it. That's this yeah. season. That's season one of Outcast. We're going to be back, presumably, hopefully, if we're all, if we haven't all been taken over by Outcast demons, <laughs> we're going to be back to talk to you guys about season two. When it happens, we're going to miss you. But in the meantime, if you want to continue the conversation about Outcast and really anything else, <laughs> wonderful panel. Mm -hmm. Where can yeah. you be found on the internet? I can be found on the internet at underscore Abby Vega. I'm Joel Monique. Find me everywhere at Joel Monique. And I'm Lucretia Lyons. You guys can always find me at L-A-C-R-E-T-I-A-L-Y-O-N anywhere on the internet since there is only one. And I am Lex Michael. All of our social media at the Lex Michael. Thank you guys so much for joining us all season. We will see you back here for season two. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. <laughs> <laughs> 